to be or not to be? That is the question. Whether it is nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, or hunt down the perpetrators of these ill-conceived platitudes, piercing bluntly at your heartstrings, but thou strike harder at the circadian rhythm of their hearts. I, what is nobler, the unsullied mind of the sweet dollop of revenge, to sleep, perchance to dream. Ah, there's the rub. For in that sleep of death, what dreams may come? When those have shuffled off this mortal coil, who will make it to the final curtain call? This is It Records. Hey, everybody. I'm, uh, I'm one of your many hosts of the show, It Records. Um, and I'm joined, as always... With the lovely co-hosts, um, yeah, Peter and Lindsay. Guys, thanks for being here again. Really appreciate it. <laughs> In my house. Yeah. Thanks, man. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to my home. Yeah. I just feel like you're just like giving us a tour or something. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's what I was going for. Um, and if you guys um, didn't pick up on my intro, uh, part of it was the actual soliloquy from Hamlet. Um, from Shakespeare, and uh, we watched the 1973 horror film Theater of Blood, uh, which Shakespeare plays, I would say, a minor role in this film, um, just a small fraction. Um, for those of you who don't know it, I'll give you a brief little synopsis of the movie. It came out in 1973, and it starred the Vincent Price. Um, he's a Shakespearean actor who takes poetic revenge on the critics who denied him recognition. And this was directed by, oh God, Douglas Hitchcock. Douglas Hitchcock directed this film. Yeah. No relation to <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah, no relation whatsoever. But apparently Douglas Hitchcock did several of these type of horror films um, in the 70s and 60s. So... I've given you guys a background, listeners, um, but I have to be honest, I, I didn't, I wasn't really fully aware of this film going in, and Lindsay, this was your pick this week. I was just curious, I mean, what drew you to it, or uh, how'd you come about it in the podcast? I don't really know. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I was like, I was really hard up for ideas, and I wanted, you know, because we're coming upon Halloween season, and um, I just wanted to do something that I hadn't seen before and uh was hoping that it would be new for you guys too um so i was just looking through a lot of like compiled lists of like oh like these horror movies are great you should Mm -hmm. watch them so i don't know and then i saw that this one had vincent price and um that kind of drew me to it and when i kind of read the synopsis i was like that sounds really interesting and not like something that i've ever watched before so this is what we're gonna do and here we are well, I mean, it is new for me. Pete, is, have you, were you aware of it, slash have you seen it before? I was aware of it, but never seen okay, it. Okay, so fresh eyes for all. Okay. This may be a first for um, as long as I've been a part of the podcast. I don't know if there's been one that none of us have seen before. I mean, none of us saw Starry Eyes when we watched Starry Eyes. Mm. I take what I just said. <laughs> we'll take that off the record. It, it was there for a second. It, it is... 
it is uncommon. Like, it doesn't happen a lot, but, like, there's been a few that all of us have never seen before. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. Yeah, and I'd like to start off with hitting maybe some of the horror significance of this. I mean, try to, it is a horror podcast. Um, and shoot it to you guys. What sort of subgenre would we say this really falls <laughs> into? Um, because for me, I've got a few, but it's hard to pinpoint exactly where it would fall in the horror genre. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a tough one. Um, horror comedy, I guess. It, it. I feel like it's like pretty self-aware mm-hmm. of itself. Um, it's weird because like. I've seen, like, a lot of horror comedies from, like, the 80s, and it was weird seeing one from, like, the 60s era, which I, like, I know Vincent Price, like, really likes to ham it up, I feel like. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, it's weird because, like, there's ones where he takes it very seriously, and then there's ones where he doesn't, so it's, like, it's not, like, he doesn't really have, like, a set, like, go-to piece, he's just, like, always in like, a lot of horror movies from, like, 50s to the 70s. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah, and... I mean, he's... I feel like Vincent Price, if you know the name, he's known for the horror movie, but before that, he... Like, in the 40s, he was known as, like, this dramatic, serious actor, and then he just took this turn in the 50s to, like, really campy horrors to these classic horrors that we know. But back to the subgenre point, I guess, mm-hmm. is... I'd say it, it is really like a self-reflexive horror, not to the way of like Scream or like Reanimator, but it's definitely like aware of what it's doing because there's several moments where Vincent Price is like almost looking at the camera and like making kind of jokes about what he's doing, like when he's cutting the guy's head off. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> he's like making a joke of it. So it's got that slapstick element to it. Um yeah, and it has a lot of the, the similar, like, Amer- uh, not American, but, like, gothic elements, I feel like the 60s and 70s movies kind of did in Brit- uh, Britain during the time. Like, the Hammer Productions, the Hammer Studios that came out with, like, the Draculas and the Frankensteins during this time period. Yeah, I would agree with that. There's definitely uh, elements of a black comedy in here. Was it not? As well as... A Hammer film? Sorry, Lindsay, to interrupt you. It... It was not, because I looked that up because I was like, I'm going to talk about Hammer in this podcast because, great, we got a movie that's Hammer. Was not. It's Harbor, I believe. Okay. Harbor Productions. Um, so, uh-huh. we can talk about Hammer later, but it wasn't. <laughs> we haven't done a Hammer film yet, which is very surprising. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That could be next on the list. We'll look one up. Definitely. Um, oh, never mind. I was going to... I was going to name a movie that wasn't a hammer picture, so never mind. Uh, <laughs> Lindsay, were you going to say something on the subgenres? Or... Yeah. Um, you know, this movie has got a lot going on. You know, there's obviously a lot of violence, um, which we can get to in a little bit. Uh, you know, melodrama, like galore, um, which I think Vincent Price did a really good job with portraying. Um, and then there's humor in there too. So I think it's kind of, you know, it's got a little bit of almost everything I would say. So yeah, that's I a good point. I enjoyable, didn't... but I overlooked melodrama a lot, but it's definitely in there. Our, 
and no short <laughs> supply. <laughs> I really like that. Um, I guess I could go like you brought up Shakespeare, and there's good mm-hmm. reason for it that he's a Shakespearean actor, and he kind of like takes his different roles that he's played and each play a significant role in each of like his way of payback. And that, I, I feel like that was just a lot of fun for, for me. Yeah. That was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought it was very interesting. I was kind of like, um, and just for to re- re- reiterate even more, he's a Shakespearean actor. The critics pan all of his performances. Don't give him this award. He's coming to kill those critics who panned his performances one by one in a Shakespearean type death. Um, so I was kind of looking forward to each one. I was like, all right, what one is next? What play is on the docket next that he's going to try to bring some murder from? Um, but I kind of saw where it was going, which isn't necessarily a terrible thing. Like I kind of guessed like King Lear was going to be the end of this movie, but I was like on board the whole time, like very interested in where the next death was going to happen. Yeah, I think that was, like, one of their main criticisms, or at least one of them had that criticism of him. He was like, you don't do anything other than Shakespeare. And, uh, you know, he was like, what's wrong with that? And the other one was like, I was trying to, like, pull you into, like, I don't know, something more modern. And so, I mean, that one ended up dying, Mm -hmm. I think. All of them, well, um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. a lot of them died. I think the body count was actually 11, is what I read. Was it 11? Yeah, I was trying to do the math yeah. myself. I, I wrote down the critics who, who were killed and in what manners and what play it was uh, supposed to be tied to. But it was 11 was the total yeah. count? Okay. Yeah, I only know that because I that's, looked it up, though. Pretty... Not because I kept my own tallies. <laughs> that's pretty high for, like, uh, I feel like from a movie back then, I feel like didn't have, like, a lot mm-hmm. of killings. Like, that's more of, like, uh, with the slasher genre, I feel like it kind of like, ooh, where where the body count is. Well, this is sort of like a, a serial killer movie, I guess, like where they keep adding up. But you're from from the first scene, uh, essentially, you're with the uh, the killer. You're with Vincent Price, like you know who it is and you know what they're doing. So, it, almost with Rope, which was similar, you saw the death from the beginning and you know who did it. But there's always that tension of where they're going to take it next. Um, do you like how this introduced Vincent Price where it was just like that the critic was just like being real British is like, oh, these rapscallions just need a good authority figure to tell the bums to <laughs> just mm-hmm. to go away. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, come on. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know. <laughs> and then just like weren't moving and laughing at him. And then they all stab him. And then like he goes to the cop. And then, it, like, Vincent Price, like, dramatically, like, reveals himself to him. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm in for a real treat in this movie. <laughs> well, I think what even did it for me with, when, like, the reveal for Vincent Price, it wasn't, like, a full mask, right? At one point, he pulls a mustache off of his existing mustache. So it was just a different mustache <laughs> over his. And I was like, oh, this is, that's what sold me. I was like, this is going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> Like, all it takes is a different mustache, and they don't know it's Edward Lionheart. <laughs> I actually didn't even realize that it was uh, Vincent Price at first. I didn't either. I thought they did a good job in that scene. It's, like, all third-person camera view. Like, the camera is, like, just 
basically getting the, the foreground and the background and it's not really focusing on a protagonist until you see the bums uh, attacking yeah. the critic and then it becomes a first person camera from his point of view. And that's when I really felt the tension mm-hmm. and they swivel the camera to see the two police officers. I thought that was a really good um, job of like showing, I guess, the power dynamic change in the scene. That's a good way yeah. to put it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can we talk about, like, his character a little bit? Because, like, he's crazy. I think we'd be like... remiss if we didn't talk about Edward <laughs> Lionheart. <laughs> like, he's so, like, obsessed with Shakespeare. Like, okay. But, like, he has, like, without a doubt, like, delusions, delusions of grandeur. Like, he is his own biggest fan. And that's, like... I mean, that's why we have a plot, I guess, you know, because, like, he, like, thinks he's he's spending all this time trying to create, to convince these uh, critics of how great he is, and they're like, no, like, we don't really think so, and then, uh, <laughs> it just becomes a little too much for him, and, uh, hence, poetic revenge starts being served. Yeah. But, uh, I thought he did such a great job, like, playing this character, like, I was completely, like creeped out by his he, I was creeped out by his character I thought that uh, yeah. I thought he nailed it that's all I have to say I don't even have words <laughs> no I thought Vincent Price was great I think Vincent Price kills it in a lot of his roles because he, he, ham, he hams it up as Pete said but I mean he did that in respects in this movie because he's like tongue in cheek at the camera but also he nailed a lot of that shake, those Shakespeare lines like he did the to be or not to be before he like commits the suicide um commits the suicide attempted to commit suicide um and a lot of those like uh uh this is the winter of our discontent i thought he nailed those i thought he did like a really good job hitting that whole spectrum mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah oh matt you know what you never asked me um, what <laughs> i was trying to be a uh, creepy headline do you, <laughs> do you have do you have a creepy headline <laughs> No way. I do. No way. <laughs> I was just like, Pete doesn't have a creepy headline. I'm just going to forge ahead. <laughs> but wow, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, podcast listeners. I should have I should have asked. <laughs> well, I cheated because I was looking one up as oh, we were okay. talking. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, fire away. Let us know what it is. Please. So th- this is about Theater Royal on Drury Lane in London, England. I'm listening. Which opened in 1660, 357 years ago. And I think they've had uh, three, they had to rebuild the theater three times, as what I can see. And here's a little haunt, they have a little haunted section. Uh, the author Tom Ogden calls the Theater Royal one of the world's most haunted theaters. The appearance of almost any one of the handful of ghosts that are said to frequent the theater signals good luck for an actor for, or production. The most famous ghost is the man in gray, who appears dressed as a nobleman of the late 18th century, powdered hair beneath a tricorn hat, a dress jacket, and a cloak or cape, riding boots and a sword. Legend says that the man in gray is a ghost of a knife, stabbed man whose skeletal skeleton remains were found with the walled up 
Side Passage in 1848. Various people have reported seeing the ghost, including W.J. McQueen Pope. That's quite a name. <laughs> who described its usual path as starting at the end of the fourth row in the upper circle and then proceeding via the weir, weir gangway to the wall near the oil box where the remains were found. And then there's a little, there's a little more too. The ghosts of actor Charles Macklin and clown Joseph Grimaldi are also supposed to haunt the theater. Macklin appears backstage wandering the corridor, which now stands in the spot where, in 1735, he killed the fellow actor Thomas Hallam in an argument over a wig. <laughs> God damn you for a background scrub, rascal! He shouted, thrusting a cane into Hallam's face and piercing his what? left eye. Grimaldi is reported to be help, a helpful apparition, probably gui- guiding nervous actors skillfully about the stage on more than one occasion. The comedian Stanley Lapino claimed to have seen the ghost of Dan Leno in his dressing room. Jeez. All of those are pretty creepy, but I had to laugh at wig, the wig death fight. I'm still laughing. Yeah. It's a little... A little rational, a little <clears throat> overreacting. Overacting. No kidding. 1700s, <laughs> what can you say? <laughs> True. Well, thanks, Pete. I demand... Thank you, Pete. I, what did I say? <laughs> like, when they do a duel, like, I demand... Like, a uh, attribution retribution or whatever. Retribution, yeah. I should know, I watched Barry Lyndon recently. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks, Pete, for the creepy headline. Always glad to have them um, <laughs> when they come through. Um, Very few and far between. Which just makes them more <laughs> special, don't you think? One thing that I saw with this movie, we were talking about Vincent Price and how he kind of killed it in this role. Uh, he's regarded it as uh, his favorite one that he's ever made. Fair enough. So, yeah. I could, I could see that, because... He probably had a fucking great time making this movie. Yeah, I mean, I heard, if I can add on to that, because he said he always wanted to do Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Like, he always wanted to do it, but the time he started getting into horror, no, nobody really took him seriously anymore. Yeah. As, like, this actor that he was in the 40s, as this drama actor, so he was stuck in a horror. So he was like, fuck yeah, I gotta do these horror movies and do Shakespeare? Perfect. So he probably loved every minute of this. It's kind of a shame that, like... People didn't take him seriously because he was like, I would say, like even though he's like really hammy, he's a great actor because he fits with like the era he's from. He's from. He's like really within, like the forties style. Like that's who he is, and then he just like takes that to the horror genre, which just seems like really corny because he he takes it so seriously, and then like he has a great sense of humor about it. Yeah. So 100%. like he's like kind of he's like kind of perfect for it because he just like he like loves it and then like he's a great actor and he's just having a great time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can't say enough good things about Vincent Price. Big fans. Yeah, I love House of Wax and of course House yeah. and Haunted Hill, but House of Wax, I feel like man, that movie's so sweet. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, we've talked about how he kills his his victims by Shakespearean death. Um, if you don't mind, I'd love to hear what your favorite one was, but if I could run them down real quick for people, 
um, in the order of who was killed and the death. That would be great. You guys don't mind? That would be great. Go for it. And then I'd love to hear what your guys' favorites were of this movie, because there are some doozies. Um, The first one we get, we kind of talked about. Um, I believe that was Maxwell. He was one of the the critics, and he was hacked to death by the... uh, the bums in the, in the alleyway. Um, Julius Caesar style. Ides of March. Where Vincent Price reveals a mustache behind a mustache. And the next one is the critic who is impaled on a spear. And then he is uh, dragged behind a horse for miles. Uh, finally ending up at the funeral of the previous critics. Um, and that is supposed to be the play uh, Trollis and Crisada. Oh god, I, I butchered that. Sorry, Shakespearean fans out there. Uh, that was <laughs> sorry, William. Day. Yeah, sorry, Bill. Um, and the next person is Arthur Lowe, and he has his head chopped off in his sleep. Um, that's Cymbeline, I believe, was that play. And on finding this, that's where the maid faints twice, um, which was a great scene. I thought her screams where she faints because the head rolls off the bed. Mm-hmm. I was laughing at that. <laughs> <laughs> the next critic is um, gets his heart ripped out, and that's supposed to uh, symbolize the pound of flesh, flesh from Merchant of Venice. And then we have... Oops. I believe... Oh, I think I'm missing one, but then we have the guy who is drowned in a the barrel of wine. Um... That sounds right. Not she come next. What's that? I said that sounds like the right order. Right. Uh, and I had what play that was from. I, I, I want to say King Richard the Third, but yeah, I think you're right. Don't crucify me, Shakespearean fans, if I'm wrong. <laughs> I thought that's where he did the King Richard the uh, Third speech. This is the winner of our discontent. And then the last one that I can think of was the lady critic who was fried in the curlers mm, yes electrocuted there's also and that i think the one after that was like the comedy where he fed yes mm-hmm. he fed the guy's dogs to him yes and like kept mm-hmm. feeding yeah That's and then correct. like you said like i king lear kind of was like the last one and spoiler alert that is Vincent Price, Edward Lionheart's death. What a way to go uh, out. Yeah. I, anyway, those are the deaths. Uh, I missed a few of the uh, the Shakespearean connections. But, guys, what was your favorites? Um, for me, I think it was the guy who got his heart kind of torn out. And the reason for that is because the kicker is... His heart gets, like, delivered to, I think it was Devlin, um, who's kind of the main critic, um, who, uh, well, yeah, he walks away kind of at the end, I believe, but, um, yeah, like, I mean, does it really get much worse than that? Like, you get somebody's heart delivered to you in a box, like, yeah, I, I didn't see that, I mean, I, yeah, that one for me, I think, was my favorite. Okay. <laughs> what about you guys? Um, something that you didn't mention that I liked was like when he got like they did the fencing with the with the main guy with the main critic that like 
was like left to oh, last. I meant to. Sorry, I meant to bring that up. Please yeah. discuss. <laughs> no, I was like, I really enjoyed. Like, even though it was so obviously not them doing the fighting, it was like just a great. I thought actually like pretty well choreographed fight scene for like. I don't know. I was pretty impressed with it. it was, I thought it was a lot of fun, but. Uh, probably my favorite death is probably like I said with the when he fed the guy's dogs to him because like it was weird because like he it was like a I guess a cooking show that like he was pre- presenting himself as and he's like oh I love that show and I was like oh man that's weird it's like very it like kind of makes me think of like shows now like that are like uh, people's favorite cooking shows and I just thought it was really great that it ended up being his dogs I just. Like I like I didn't expect that because I had no idea what that Shakespeare play was. Same. And he and he was like really weird about his dogs. <laughs> mm-hmm. Did you you need some jogging of your memory? Yeah. <laughs> I, we, we were talking about like the fencing scene. Uh with and then were mm-hmm. you thinking of like the ending where like he has the swords uh for that critic? he wants to blind him is that maybe what you're gonna bring up no <laughs> or his daughter who we ah. haven't talked about at all sorry <laughs> <laughs> yeah sorry i just i found the the dogs where he eats the poodles is titus andronicus is that play that was bugging that was bugging me so bad <laughs> moving on from my brain yeah, but we haven't talked about his daughter whatsoever, which is kind of a big point in this movie. But what's her favorite death first? Oh, I didn't say mine. Um, I I really liked the scene of the poodles eating eating the poodles. That was good. Um, but I think for me, where he gets the head cut off while the the wife is laying in the bed next to him. Because the whole scene is like they come out of that chest and they were in there all night like waiting for them to go to sleep and then he comes out and it's like a really comical yeah. scene of like doing he's like getting the blood squirted on him and he's like no I need this saw and it's like the wife keeps waking up and he keeps yeah, a syringe and he puts yeah, it love... back in her and then when he wakes up that maid in the morning yeah that was I love crazy. when he was like asking for the tool and she did, and then like his assistant would just like repeat it like scalpel scalpel and <laughs> i don't know i just thought it was just like really mm-hmm. ridiculous <laughs> That's yeah mm-hmm. yeah that one was fun i feel like that movie i don't know like it kind of just like it's so comical that like i feel like you could watch it like at a, at a younger age and then like it wouldn't really bother you so like i kind of like i could see myself like enjoying it in like saturday morning I don't know, just gave me that kind of vibe. <laughs> no, I agree with you. Um, it's really campy. I mean, you said you could watch it with kids in like a Saturday morning. I really got like a Chitty Bang Bang <laughs> vibe. That's what I got. I was like, this is Chitty Bang Bang yeah. to like the extreme. <laughs> so I get the feeling. I'm glad I'm not alone. I thought I was just like, just crazy that I have like, like certain times like there's like a Saturday morning is real good, and then like a good you know what a good Sunday movie is a Sunday morning when you're kind of tired, watch arachnophobia, you know yeah. you'll have a good time <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. 
you know, Saturday nights have a feel, Sunday yeah. mornings have a feel. I get it, Pete. I just watch I like horror that. movies all the time, so I just kind of have specific mm-hmm. windows of like, hmm, this it's best uh, at nighttime with a <laughs> with a a beer. <laughs> I have a lot of respect for that. Uh, Pete, you mentioned his daughter. Do you want to get into that a little bit? Um, Ed, Edwina? Yeah, name? so... Um, I feel like in the beginning, you don't really get a whole lot of her. And then it's, she's really introduced... Uh, after the first few killings, they kind of question her. They kind of... The police kind of suspect her of doing it as revenge. Because, like, um, Vincent Price's character is supposed to be dead. But he obviously survived. Um, and you find out that he tried committing suicide because he was, like, upset that he didn't get his award and he showed up to, like, the critic's place and then they didn't, like, take Mm -hmm. him too seriously. And so she kind of seems like... Just, like, kind of, like, a real normal character. She's just, like, trying to... She's, like, works in films. So, like, kind of like what, like, her dad does, but, like, you know, just different, uh... different job. And... It almost seems like she's going to be like the love interest of the the, mm-hmm. the main critic that we kind of talked about, and then spoiler, she's like working with like Vincent Price like the whole time, and then like I never actually realized that she was the one with the blonde wig, um, because they like mm-hmm. I think like the camera actually like really tricky because like they like. When they first introduced her with blonde hair, they, like, really sexualized her with, like, looking at, like, her legs. Because it was, like, like really yeah. 60s, like, ooh, the, look at this short skirt. <laughs> and, like, her high heels yeah. or whatever. And so I just, like, I just, like, didn't really uh, realize that it was, like, her. And I'm also terrible, like, with wigs. I, like, I, I, like, I just can't tell what wigs are. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say you're terrible with wigs enough to get in a duel with it? Uh, with <laughs> yeah, the absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Thank you for being mm-hmm. honest. All right, I'm just getting. Yeah, I appreciate. It. I was trying yeah. to find the bar. Okay. <laughs> and uh, so I, I thought that like uh, surprise actually like got me. I was like, oh shit! Like I didn't see that coming at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. So this like added to the factor of fun for me. Like I just thought, like even though. I watched it in, like, pieces, so, like, it seemed to be really drawn out for me, because I watched it in, like, a two-day period. I still, like, had fun, even though it's. I made it seem longer by doing that to myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also watched it in a two-day period, um, so I think I know what you mean. I was watching it at work, and I kept getting interrupted, so maybe, like, two and a half days, almost. <laughs> can't you see I'm watching I'm gonna say that here. like Work leave me wait. alone but you know <laughs> you can't say that trying to make a living here <laughs> <laughs> I don't ask for much but like when I'm trying to watch movies at work like that's the only thing I want but that's besides the point <laughs> let me not do my job and watch this movie right now <laughs> it's a simple request do you have any uh, fun trivia for us, Matt? I didn't look 
I didn't look too much into this movie. <laughs> you, you know, there's there's a few um, that I saw. Some I mentioned that it was Vincent Price's favorite movie, but I had to look this up as you were saying that. Vincent Price uh, fell in love with and married actress uh, Coral Brownie following this production. Um, so, yeah, he met her on this, the production of this film. That's how it was. He married her after that. Who's that? Yeah, who was that? I don't. Uh, let me look that up real quick. Is that like one of the? Uh, yeah. Is that one of the critics? Maybe like the the woman critic. I got the cast up right. Again, here. it can't be. She Coral Brownie was Chloe Moon. Was that the critic? I'm thinking that was the critic. Yeah, it's a hot... Chloe Moon. It. I wish I knew their names. Yeah. Better. Like the actual critics' names. No, I, no idea. I didn't know anyone <laughs> except for the main character. Oh yeah. It was the critic, the woman critic who is uh, electrocuted with the. Critics. Oh no shit. So he fell in love with her during the production, and they're married. Well, were married. Were they the... Were they married until he died, or did they separate? I I don't know the answer, but what the context I'm reading is yes, that was his. His last okay. wife. I also. Yeah, that was his, that was his last wife. Mm-hmm. I also read What's that up? they uh, only filmed this in about five weeks, so that was pretty fast for production. Yeah, and uh, to add on to that, I believe it was not none of it was shot in the studio. It was all shot um, on location somewhere. London, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I actually find that pretty surprising because, like, on-location, like, shooting didn't really become too popular until, like, uh, I feel like the, like, late 80s, I want to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is 73. Again. Right, wouldn't you say that, like, studio shooting was still pretty popular? Like, there's, like, the only thing I could think of would be, like, on-location is, like, mm-hmm. those cheap, like, new Hollywood movies like they're trying to be really gritty right. or like shot on location well you know like your French connection kind of thing well we've talked a bit about you know it's horror significance or where it lies in the horror genre and Vincent Price's awesomeness as just an actor in general um but w- what we usually do is we talk about some trivia but I think maybe the budget box office or reception and if there were any sort of uh, extensions of this movie sequels or adaptations do you guys have any could you guys find the budget for this movie I actually, no I, I didn't find any of that did actually you? Uh, you did no I didn't I knew it, I found the box office but I could not find the actual budget huh. of this film so mysterious the, the, bo- the box office I found was around like uh, like a million dollars I think is what it said. That was pretty good for back then, right? Yeah, I'd say so, especially for a horror film. Yeah. A horror movie that well, came out. Well, it was weird because, like, like also yeah. back then, like, movies didn't really make a lot of money. Like, they did, but, like, it wasn't, like, blockbusters. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, at this point, I mean, Theater of Blood is, I feel like, well-regarded doesn't have the highest Rotten Tomatoes, but critically, and I think if you're just a horror fan, 
people generally. I think it has a uh, pretty enjoy this movie. Uh, actually, no, I take that back. I think it's like ninety six. Yeah, I think tomatoes. it definitely is like. I, I could think it's like well like regarded yeah, by amongst fans. Vincent Price fans because um, it's just like it, it. It's just like fun to watch, and mm-hmm. it's really entertaining because of like just the combination of Shakespeare and horror is not too. You don't actually see that too often. I think, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I think you rarely. I don't. I just, I've never seen it to be honest. Besides this one, mm-hmm. and I can think of. Yeah, I'm sure there's. Yeah, there's there's some out there. I really like yeah. the the that scene was a really where unique combination. you kind of first like see him like do his thing with like all his like bump community that like follow him like religiously, and then mm-hmm. like he's like real like painted up and he's just like giving the guy a weird a weird look. It's like when they're doing like the live the live theater, like the audience is a part of the production. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. like I just thought that was pretty funny because like it's like really gimmicky and um, he's yeah. like he's like just really dramatic like uh, makeup on. Yeah, and they're like this. Yeah, and they're like this old rundown theater. It's like broken chairs. Yeah, that was and, wild. Like tattered curtains and stuff, but I got a real uh, penguin. Like the Batman villain vibe <laughs> from like the Danny DeVito version, yeah, and Tim Burton, yeah. Where like I was like King Li- uh, uh, Lionheart is uh, is the penguin, and like he had those like followers, didn't he? Like in his like little lair, the penguin, or were they just pink? I feel like there was some henchman with him, and that's just the vibe I got. No, I could very, I, com- very comic booky. Yeah, I see. I definitely see what you're saying. Like it, I w- I would agree with that actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I can, Pete, you were, you were talking about like, uh, just a second ago, um, you know, horror movies during that time, um, with Vincent Price, um, and you know, they weren't, might not have made that much back in that time period. I think what I asked to that, the context historically is like the horror genre, I feel like in Britain at that time for my reading was on the downward trend. Like, the 50s and 60s were the heyday. Yeah. And that was, like, Hammer Productions. And Hammer Productions still had some into the early 70s. But it was really losing its popularity. So this one's great, but I think maybe what didn't help its success financially was because maybe it was just losing favor with audiences. That type of horror movie. Yeah, I think... God, what... Do you think The Exorcist had something to do with that, or was that a little later? No, I think The Exorcist was, like... Isn't that 74? Is it 74? I thought it might have been... You might be right. I thought it could have been 72. You know, Pete, um, this is funny because I've been editing podcasts recently, and we've had this argument before on the It Records podcast, (laughs) The Exorcist Year. (laughs) And I can almost say with certainty that it's 74 because we've talked about it. That's really funny that, like... I just, I'm so adamant about the year being, did I say 1972? That'd be really funny if I did that. No, actually, I think the last argument, (laughs) you were right, and I was wrong. (laughs) I I think I said it was 73. Uh, Yeah, okay, no. No, it's it's released December 26th of 73 is when it came out. So it's 73, it came out, and you said 73, and I said 74. Dang. And now you're saying 72. <laughs> we'll never get the year right. We'll never get it right. right. Oh, that's, that's really funny. 
It's funny that I'm like I'm like close in the year, but like I'm still off. <laughs> mm-hmm. I always do that with uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like I love that movie, but I always am like, was it seventy three or seventy four? I know. I never. I I know for sure it's seventy four. <laughs> yeah, it was filmed in seventy three, released in seventy four, right? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, it's unanimous. Well, we talked about the success. Do you guys know of any sequels or, you know, extensions of Theater of Blood? I know. I've looked no, nothing into this movie. I have no idea. Oh. <laughs> not that I knew of, no. Well, I did a little digging. Not too much. But uh, they did a theater adaptation of it. So stage adaptation. Um, they changed a few scenes so that it was all, like, shot or took place in a theater. So the scenes that were, like, you know, the beheading in the house or whatever... Or they're outside. They kind of change those scenes around. Um, but a few interesting things about that. It was well received. Um, but the person who played Lionheart is Jim Broadbent. You, get, you know who that is? He uh, was Professor Slughorn in Harry Potter. Oh, now I'm interested. Yeah. He's a okay. he's a pretty good English actor, I'd say. Um, but he, he, he played Lionheart in the stage production. And the person, I believe, who plays his daughter was the actual daughter of the actress in the movie? Really? Someone's daughter. Daughter? Um, yeah, um, Diana Riggs, who plays... Yeah, who plays his daughter, uh, Lionheart's daughter. Um, her real-life daughter played her role in the stage production. That's really funny. Mm-hmm. Some fun six degrees right there. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we can get it to Kevin Bacon somehow. Um, <laughs> you just did. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think we've said a good piece about this movie. It's a good time to do our classic and, and fan favorite. I'm hearing from a lot of fans. They love this. They love this portion. Defender Destroy. <laughs> so who wants to take it first this week? So all our moms are just are just really into this section. <laughs> Yeah. Our moms, yeah, they keep clicking and listening. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, well. Yeah, what do you guys start off? <laughs> I'll, I'll go. Well, oh. Okay. All right, okay, I'll take it away. I'll take the first one. That's what I was going to say. I'm going to full-heartedly destroy this movie. I hated it from top to bottom. Quit playing. Bottom to top. <laughs> Left to right. I would have burned the script when they brought it to the table. No, I defend it. Um, it's no magnum opus. But <laughs> it's It was really entertaining. I mean, I think Vincent Price killed it um, throughout the entire movie. It was a very uh, intriguing plotline that I've never heard before. Um you do have your horror elements. There are a lot of deaths. The body count goes up. Um, there is a lot of blood. A heart gets ripped out. But it also has that self-reflexive humor that, I mean, it has you laughing. Um, it's very campy. Uh, uh, it's an enjoyable film. I mean, it's very entertaining and has horror value, I believe. So I would defend it. Yeah. I also would give it two thumbs all the way up. Um, I think Vincent Price is completely brilliant, and like Matt said, you know, I thought it was a very interesting storyline, and 
like I said, nothing that I had ever seen before. Um, you know, I love the Shakespeare uh, tie-ins and, uh, you know, the fact that he went so out of his way to recreate, you know, those deaths to be so closely um, similar to the each play he was acting out. Um, and like I said, it's got so many different elements, you know, of, uh, you know, there's definitely humor. And like I said, drama, the violence, tragedy. Um, so for me, in that way, it kind of make it, makes it a jack of all trades. You're mm-hmm. here. That was good. Good, good wrap up. <laughs> Something we forgot to mention before. I obviously defend this movie. <laughs> um, when Vincent Price is posing as the chiropractor of one of the critics' wives. Oh, yeah. And then, like, I don't know, I just thought of it now. And then, like, he's, like, it's, like, one of the the plays of Shakespeare where mm-hmm. he can, like, basically convinces the, the critic to kill his own wife. And he spends the rest mm-hmm. of his lives in, life in jail mm-hmm. killing him because he's so old. He's gonna die in yeah. jail. Like I thought that was like that's pretty messed up to like on a yeah. whole other level. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's psychological torture. Yeah. So the, this movie's got a it's, another it's got a wide variety of different ways of payback, which makes it that more enjoyable because he's just it's just like classic revenge tale. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, well, with that, I think uh, we've, we've all defended it, so we're all fans. Um, so check it out. I, I It's on YouTube. Um, don't tell them. It's free on YouTube. You can just watch the whole thing on there if you'd like. Check it out. It's like an hour and 43 minutes long. And we'll be back in the next week or two weeks. We'll have an episode out for you every Friday. Um, get at us on our Facebook and Twitter or on social media. We have a new website, eatrecordspodcast.wixsite.com. Um, it's fresh. It's updated. We got our full episodes up there. And let us know what you're thinking. If uh, you want us to talk about a certain movie, you want us to talk about a certain mini episode, which will both be coming at you soon. Um, thanks for listening. And that's me, Matt Johnson. And as always, I will remain in the shadows. I really wish I had that King Lear speech memorized. That would have been really good. Mm-hmm. But, uh,. I'm just saying it, I'm, you know, I'm not actually going to say it. Say goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a wrap. <laughs>